the third annual Smartphone Experts Smartphone Round Robin, presented by the Cell Phone Junkie. Welcome to the third annual Round Robin for the Smartphone Experts group of podcasts. My name is Mickey Paplon, and I'm from the CellPhoneJunkie.com. With us here, we've got Dieter Bone from Smartphone Experts and Pre-Central, Casey from Android Central, Kevin from Crackberry, Renee from the iPhone blog, Phil from WM Experts, Matt from Nokia Experts. So we've got a great panel of people here today, so this should be pretty exciting. First, before we get started here, I want to turn it over to Dieter to kind of discuss a little bit about what we're going to be doing here today. Well, this is the uh, the third annual Smartphone Round Robin. So we've done this for two years running. And if, if you're not familiar with what the Round Robin is, uh, for the past two years what we've done is the editor from uh, each of our smartphone sites, they're really they're experts about their own phones, but they're not necessarily experts about other phones. And so we would literally mail our phones to each other and you know, use the other person's phone for a week and, you know, write up some reviews, do some videos about it. Uh, well, this year we're up to uh, seven, six, six platforms, and it just seemed a little bit too crazy. And it, it seemed like a better idea would be to get us all in a room together for a weekend. And so we're all here and we're all, you know, going to be sitting down, talking about phones, recording videos, comparing phones to each other. And uh, it should be pretty exciting. Um, I mean, one of the reasons we do this is that it's one of the most common questions all of us get is what phone should I get next? What phone should I get next? And, uh, you know, making that decision is tough. And you either, well, first you pick a carrier, then pick a platform, and that's the standard advice. Um, but a lot of people are out there weighing, well, should I get a BlackBerry or should I get a Droid? Should I get an iPhone or should I get a Windows mobile device? And um, having us be able to do some of that comparison work for you guys is uh, a lot of fun and also, we hope, really useful. So uh, that's why we're here. Uh, We're going to have this podcast go out early and then over the course of the five weeks after it, you will see us putting out comparative content on all of our sites with these different phones and then we'll have a a single site that'll round all the content up so you can look at it all in one place and that'll be smartphoneroundrobin.com. All right. Well, you know, we're going to really be talking about one question here, and that's what has been going on with the various platforms over the past year. So we can kind of start this and and go around. It'll really depend on, uh, you know, where things will just probably end up totally derailing and go to (laughs) go to go to nowhere quick. But um, actually, let's just have everybody introduce themselves first. So everyone kind of knows the voices of each person. You probably heard all of them, uh, but we'll start from my left and go around the table. So we've got Renee from the iPhone blog. Hi, this is Renee from the iPhone blog. Oh, Kevin from crackberry.com. It was such a short intro, Renee. You got to talk more. <laughs> Jeez, you caught me off guard. We cover iPhones, iPads, <laughs> iPod touches, more mythical iTablets, and yeah. everything without a keyboard. When's the tablet getting released? Uh, I, well, I don't have one in front of me, but if I did, I would say next year. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Kevin from crackberry.com. I like blackberries a lot. I always take the. I always go against Dieter, and he gets so mad. I say I'm not an expert. I'm an addict, and that way, any mistakes I made are fully uh, yeah, okay. disclaimed up front. But <laughs> I try my best. When's the BlackBerry tablet coming out? Never. But I do feel that BlackBerry should move into automotive and start doing <laughs> some like you know BMW, Range Rover, like nav systems. I think that would make more sense for them than a tablet. But hey, maybe. I think SurePress on like a foot and a half screen. Exactly. <laughs> 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 Take it away, Phil. Uh, Phil from WM Experts, and yeah. 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 You cover all things window hole. There you go. All right. Well, you heard me before. I'm Dieter. Uh, I'm the editor-in-chief of the whole network, but I spend the vast majority of my time lately on uh, Pre-Central because I don't have to spend much time on the other sites because these guys are all so awesome. This is Matt from Nokia Experts. I'm the pseudo-European. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we had the lineup of all the phones and I was the only one with any Nokia phones so we'll, uh, I'll bring some new uh, new perspectives I think to the table this year we're really excited to have you here some great devices you'll see yeah um, I'm Casey from Android Central where we cover all things Android and we're basically the future <laughs> you know what's wicked about having everybody in one room is we can literally hit each other for the first time. I'm looking for fruit to throw. Casey just got hit by the past. So I want a yogurt covered strawberry. <laughs> Some of the exciting things that uh, we're gonna we, we've been already doing here over the past hour and a half 
we we put together some nice comparison shots, as Dieter said. Over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna or month, I guess, you're gonna see a lot of stuff come out from the various sites on the comparisons between all the phones. We also have some great pictures of every phone that we had. Did anyone count all the phones? How many I didn't we had? Had to be over thirty. It was at least twenty-five, probably yeah. thirty. I'm gonna yeah. There's four rows and there's about seven to eight in each row. Nice. So do that math. Yeah, it's somewhere between 28 and 32 phones. We've got between seven people here, so it's a pretty impressive picture. So that's that's pretty. And fun. We have lots at home. Is what's really yeah. Yeah. sad. Yeah. <laughs> not impressive, but sad. So let's start it out with uh, the top, and I'm not going to say it's the best, but it seems to be the most common here. Uh, we have, I don't know, what, seven iPhones here yeah. uh, in the room? Uh, basically, everyone's got one. So let, let's start with that. Let's talk about what's happened over the past 12 months with the iPhone. Well, I, I just I was talking to Kevin before. This is Renee again. I was talking to Kevin before and said that, you know, at least the iPhone is everybody's number two or three. Uh, and it's always a dirty little secret of these uh, round robins that everyone kind of has a iPhone either in their back pocket or like Kevin, uh, battery drained in the drawer somewhere. So let's talk about my usage briefly because I'll feel Kev- Kevin um, claims without resetting his, res- his usage True. meter, he had about, what was it, a couple hours of usage since the device launched? Yeah, I bought it the day it came out. Okay. But it's only, it has like three hours of use or something. And what he bought was, we have like two, two big stories this year. The iPhone 3GS, uh, which is the new hardware that Apple released. And the S stands for speed because it's fast. It's got a faster CPU, faster GPU. Apple never talks in terms of specs, uh, but they say it's two times faster. It's got a Cortex-A8 chip in it. It's got a a faster GPU in it. And it also records video. It's it's got a much better camera than previous iPhones. And interestingly enough, uh, it's the only hardware device that does hardware encryption from Apple and also the new voice and accessibility features, which don't get a lot of attention, but it's something Apple's really focused on. Uh, You can control the thing with voice. You can turn it into a mode where it speaks out every icon to you and helps you navigate your way through if you're visually impaired. So they did a a really nice overall job. It looks exactly the same as the iPhone 3G, which is one of those things where Apple can never win because some people say, oh, it's boring. They repeated it. And other people, if they had changed it, would have said, they're just doing this to make us buy new accessories. We hate them. So it's uh, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, well, that's actually, sorry to interrupt. Um, uh, that's actually one of the most interesting inter- interesting things here is one of the things that didn't happen is didn't get hardware revision. So with, when we're do- taking all our pictures, it was, okay, now, which BlackBerry, which iPhone? How many Blackberries do you want in there with the iPhone? How many Android phones do we get there with the iPhone? But it's always just the iPhone. There aren't multiple versions. It's the only one. Everybody <laughs> just sort of assumes that, but it's worth mentioning that, like, the, the iPhone is still, like, the singular device. I know there's the 3G and the 3GS, but... It's the iPhone. And what we can get into later, too, is that amongst the other... We were talking about this amongst ourselves yesterday, that if you go to buy an Android or a Windows Mobile, are you buying an HTC? Are you buying a Windows phone? Are you buying a Verizon phone? Everyone wants to own the brand, but with Apple, it's still the iPhone. It's Apple's iPhone. And in the U.S., it's still AT&T's Apple iPhone. It's a singular brand. It's it's one thing. Apple likes its simple, single, one thing, like its buttons. Um, I was going to say, the other thing that happened this year was iPhone 3.0. Uh, and Apple finally decided to invent cut and paste. And I hope everyone here really appreciates <laughs> this gift of functionality. Not only that, they invented MMS, which most of the world got right away, and the U.S. got some three or four months later. Um, along with that, we got turn-by-turn, the ability to make turn-by-turn applications. We got finally push notification, note sync, stereo Bluetooth, landscape keyboard, peer-to-peer networking, um, subscriptions in-app purchases, and the ability for apps to work with accessories. And while they've demoed a lot of exciting things, uh, we haven't seen those yet. So it's, a, it's, it's an up and down. It's still going. But it looks like this was the year that instead of trying to wow us with too much, Apple ran back and filled in all the little gaps that they'd left uh, ginormous holes in in the previous two uh, generations. So when is, when is Apple going to invent uh, the ability to run background applications? <laughs> uh, Scott Forstall will take the stage in March for the iPhone 4.0 event and Apple will invent multitasking and <laughs> notifications. <laughs> well, you know, one other thing that happened in the past year that's worth mentioning is the App Store went from kind of dominant to stupid, crazily, hugely dominant. 100,000 apps, 2 billion, 2 billion with a B, Carl Sagan, billion downloads. That's crazy. And they say the analysts who are never, ever wrong are predicting 300,000 during this next year. I told Dieter I'm going to have to review 1,000 apps a day just to stay current. (laughs) Would another story be the, I guess, price reduction in the original iPhone 2G? That's actually when when the 
announcement was made, that's the thing that Dieter and I spoke about first, is that the iPhone 3G from last year was reduced in price to $99, which, uh, if you look at the terms of being disruptive to the market, the first year Apple was disruptive with their interface. Um, a lot of companies arguably were kind of complacent when it came to interfaces, and Apple really shook things up with the capacitive screen and the multi-touch gestures and a lot of the ways in which you could easily navigate around an iPhone. Year 2 was all about the App Store and 2.0. And year three, while some people would talk about the missing features or maybe the accessory integration, really $99 price point at that, for that kind of phone was really disruptive because it was going up against a lot of, I don't want to say lesser, but really budget devices. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, it's interesting that everyone here has got one, and obviously that's pretty telling of the, the power of the, the device, and everyone wants to take a look at what it can do and stuff. So uh, it's, a, it's definitely a solid one, and I think uh, it, it's you know, one that we're going to be constantly comparing it to this weekend for sure. It's always talking about an iPhone killer. There you go. It's a benchmark, right? It is. All right, Kevin. So you've got uh, about 27 Blackberries no, here. No, not true. I brought a couple. Um, Last year in the second annual round robin, uh, the BlackBerry of choice. Actually, that's kind of an interesting thing we didn't touch upon with the change to this series. Oh, yeah. In the previous round robins, we picked you know one device to represent a platform, which leading up to the round robin always caused a lot of grief because you know Windows Mobile. Which phone do we pick here? Do we go with the traditional form factor, a slider, or what? Uh, so this year, by being here in one room, we can kind of you know have more than one device from each platform and and look at the different uh, experiences you can get. Uh, so last year for BlackBerry, we, we used the BlackBerry Bold 9000, which was their you know 3G flagship device, uh, non-touchscreen, full physical keyboard, uh, big device, kind of the Cadillac. You know, you pick it up in your hand, and it's it's got some uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Girth, heft, heft. It's got some heft. Gravitas. I, gravitas I, is a good word. It's I got think some girth. Is better. girth. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of phone to love. It's a lot of phone to love, although it's fairly light. Uh, but at that time, the Storm One was kind of hitting the market, but it wasn't quite out when we started the round robin. And I think most of us are a little are, are pretty familiar with the Storm One story, yeah. um, which was you know good thought process, uh, high expectations, maybe an underwhelming you user experience. So this year, coming into the third annual smartphone round robin, you know the past twelve months from BlackBerry, we've seen. Incremental improvements, basically through the product line, they've they've kind of released new revisions. There's no, I'd say, you know, one phone iPhone killer type thing. They haven't built that. They've they're basically building on their existing product lines. So, you know, they've released uh, over the course of the year a new lower end curve to replace the 8300 series. They just released the new BlackBerry Bolt 9700, which re- replaces last year's 9000, and they just released the Storm 2, which replaces the Storm. Uh, they're all better Blackberries. They're all very good for, I think, um, you know, ex- the existing Blackberry user base. It's it's focusing on that retention. I think at various price points, it's probably you know attracting to the market uh, new users. And we all know that the number one selling smartphone in the the U.S. in Q3 was the BlackBerry Curve 8300, which was the phone we put into the first round robin uh, almost three years ago now. So it's kind of interesting to see that as you know, RIM is releasing a whole new uh, whack load of devices, it's still some of their old ones that are dirt cheap that are, are selling in the highest volume. Uh, so it sounds like, from what you said over the, the course of the past year, that it's it's mostly about iteration and just sort of improving what they've already got. Exactly. There's still I mean, Blackberries or just more Blackberries? It's more Blackberries. I mean, on the software side, they went from OS 4.6 and 4.7 to OS 5.0, which is rolling out now. I think as you guys handle them over the course of the weekend, because you don't use Blackberries all the time, you're going to be like, what's different here? I don't really see. And I'll be able to point out some little things on the front end that are different. Um, but the real thing with OS 5.0 is what we're going to see next year from Blackberry. So, you know, I just came back a couple weeks ago from the Blackberry Developer Conference, and it was actually really exciting. Because I'd say over the past few months, I was almost, I think a lot of people were a little bit almost depressed on Blackberry. We weren't seeing enough innovation and change soon enough. And all the announcements they made, OpenGL support, um, they opened up a lot of APIs. They, they're really pushing something called widgets now, which uh, it's a real horrible name for it because it's misleading because everybody's referring to widgets as you know little mini applications that run on phones or, or desktop PCs or, or Macs these days. RIM's definition of widget is basically um, it's basically developing for Palm Web OS. It's using it's using HTML and, and basic web development applications to build BlackBerry apps now. 
so they're really pushing that and hoping it'll attract, you know, so they can grow from 3,000 or 4,000 apps in App World to, to you know, 50,000, 100,000 and try to push that. Do they need a new OS like Palm and Microsoft? No, you know, what's interesting is I think... I think before DevCon this year, I would have said, yeah, they should just you know buy Palm or something and get a new OS. And I think what they've come out and done is they've filled out all their, their holes they had. And now the, the, the reason they needed a new OS is they needed something easier to develop for it because the Java was kind of, you know, not enough people were embracing it and it was kind of going old school. And I think now the tools are there. They, they don't need a new OS. They need to do some things to clean up their, you know, maybe break the... The, the operating system from sort of being like, right now it's a one size fits all, right? If you're a business user or consumer, you get the same OS. Maybe at some point they need to break that apart. That's almost like theming changes. You know, the, the OS does a fine job of launching apps, running apps. It has multitasking. You know, it's had it for years. Ouch. It, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they need to like focus on, you know, let's call it needs based a little bit more, look at who their users are and, and do some little things here and there. But I think they've, you know, they, they had their checklist of things we need to fix, and, and following the developer conference, it's pretty much checked off. And talking to a lot of developers, open and honestly, you know, like, is this lip service, or are you genuinely satisfied now? A lot of them are very satisfied. And if you look at the, um, where developing for BlackBerry falls into the mix in terms of, I think a lot of people consider Apple to be sort of closed, you know, Android at the far extreme of being totally open. BlackBerry's really nice in the middle, because they're giving you um, security that you build on top of you don't have to worry about it they're they're giving you now a lot of uh, you know they've int- they're introducing these ad- advertising modules so basically if you want to give away free apps they're going out to all the advertisers putting the relationships together you'll be able to you know drop code into your app bang it's now advertising uh, it's now a free ad model and rim will cut you the checks for for the amount of money you make um, same with in-app purchases. You know they're becoming the the merchant of record, basically. Rim, so you'll be able to sell content and do all sorts of things through your app, and then Rim will cut. You know, do the, do all the back-end work and cut you the check. So they're trying to make things really appealing, but they have a lot of challenges at the same time. One of which being, you know, the phones they're selling the most of are the oldest ones, which don't take advantage of these new things and OpenGL. And they won't run OS 5.0, which opens these things. So the next few months will be really interesting for Rim to see if they can, you know, maybe get get back the momentum that they really haven't lost, I guess, in terms of sales, but I think in consumer buying share, they've lost a little. Need to keep fighting. They've come out with a couple of, you know, obviously you mentioned the 9700 and, you know, the new Storm 2. They're, they're building on their, the base of the ones that they've had uh, real success with, and I think the 9700 especially is going to be a, a, I think that's going could be the next curve, honestly. It's, it's definitely the ultimate traditional BlackBerry. Right. Um, it's whether, you know, that's enough these days to keep growing uh, big market share or not, or is that just retaining existing market share and keeping it happy? I mean, I think next year for the our next round robin, you know, I, I hope by that time there's some sort of disruptive BlackBerry device, uh, some sort of new form factor, something new, new brand or whatever that's just like that one device that gets people's attention again. Because the problem right now is, you know, every time they, re- they release a new product and we write a blog post about it, and, and rightfully so, a lot of the comments are uh, kind of looks like every other BlackBerry, <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> I mean, um, so it's. I think it's things have never been better for Rim, but it's also things have never been better at a time when com- competition is now fiercer than ever. So it'll be interesting to see just what happens. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. Right? Looking at some of the way that things have changed. I don't see a lot of Windows Mobile with the forward-facing QWERTYs or any other platform that really has that. So. I think RIM still needs to keep that as yeah. their strong point. I think, well, I think it's RIM, you know, <laughs> it's going to come up lots <laughs> over the, the course of the week is Kevin's, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We've got Kevin's hierarchy of smartphone needs. And, you know, at the bottom is always on, always connected, and communication. And I think RIM's traditional Blackberries are great communication tools. And there's always going to be a need from a, a demogra- you know, a certain user base for, I need a phone that performs as a communication tool first. And then everything else is extra on top of that. And, you know, RIM owns that, and they've nailed it. Year, they nailed it five years ago, ten years ago, and they don't lose that. But now they're trying to climb up that pyramid. And, you know, that's, and that's now where consumer mind shift on which phone to buy is kind of uh, looking. So, hmm. Well, you've got, uh, you've got a lot of 
fun stuff, I think, to talk about. So absolutely great stuff. Uh, transition to Windows Mobile. Just mentioned how there's you know you've, you've got you've got a lot that's new yet a lot that that's the same this year. So what what have they got that's come out here over the past twelve months? Well, in February they announced Windows Mobile six point five, and then it took about eight months for the OS to actually be released on new phones. Um, at the same time, Microsoft invented the mobile uh, marketplace, the mobile app store, because nobody else had had that before, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 and so that launched in October as well. They've got about 500 apps in there now. Um, the, the platform is still not locked down. You're not stuck with a marketplace, for better or for worse. You can use it if you want. It's helpful because if you get a new phone, if you hard reset your phone, you can uh, reinstall all those apps directly from the store and don't have to hunt them down. So that's convenient. But it's not the be-all, end-all yet. Um, I think they're still biding their time. 6.5 is still an iteration of a release. We're still waiting for Windows Mobile 7 sometime in 2010, we expect. Um, Will that be the savior? Sort of. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think they've got to go with something radically different. I keep saying I hope they go the direction of the Zoom HD because that's a very good mix of, of hardware and software at this point. Um, but now by that, do you mean you hope Microsoft makes the phone? Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, they did a great job hardware-wise with it, and, and they did it right. Um, but they're not going to screw over their their uh, their partners. They did with the so, Zoom. Was that they did when they made the Zoom? Mm-hmm. Well, and they did. So that's the question. Um, and then when you throw carriers in the mix, it just gets even nastier. So, I mean, that said, I'm really impressed with what HTC has done over the past year with uh, TouchFlow and, and later with the Sense UI, which is what everybody's going to now. Um, it, and it's really interesting to see how Windows Mobile and Android are kind of starting to mirror each other, both being platforms on which you you build upon. Um, and we'll see how they parallel each other over the next year or so. It's I hate to say it's been a slow year because it really hasn't when you look at the number of phones that have come out, the Touch Pro 2, the Diamond 2. Um, the Omnia line is, is putting out interesting new stuff, good hardware with occasionally suspect UIs on top of it. <laughs> but it's still new and it's still good. It's still going to... if Even if it doesn't bring people into the platform, I think it's going to keep people with it for a little while longer anyway. I think the Touch Pro 2 is a, a good testament to that. I mean, that's kind of like the the core functionality that people look for in the the Windows mobile device and I you know they came out with something that's just you know has all the specs that the person would want in 2009 I think that's a solid device for them. Yeah and of course at the same time that came out the uh, HD2 was born and it's not widely available in no the No mother US. could bear that phone. No, that thing was made in the lab. Which one is that? Is it's that the big? Yeah, the, 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 okay. It's the world's biggest phone born by C-section. The screen is massive. <laughs> massive. The screen is bigger than the rest of our phones. Yeah. It's, it really is. Yeah. It's the screen size. It, it, We're doing the podcast on top of it. <laughs> it's on the table. The table is the HD2. <laughs> It'll be available on some carrier early 2010 we've been told we don't know what carrier yet we don't know exactly when we don't know how much we don't know what a carrier will do to mess it up as they're prone to do <laughs> um, so we'll see but it, you know that's really what has everybody excited now is just the sheer size of this thing and the lack of Windows Mobile for an average user well but yes and no I mean it's running the same more or less the same UI that I've got on the Touch Pro 2 and that a lot of people have on the Touch Pro 2 and, and that's a testament to what HTC has done more than anything else I feel like Windows Mobile is the Rodney Dangerfield at the table here they don't get no respect but like a lot of their phones sell better than you expect especially the uh, the Omnia 1 on Verizon that thing they, they sell tons of those Who who's buying them these days is it consumers is it professionals is it power users is it enterprise enterprise a lot power users yeah nerds us me. <laughs> I think in the past too with Windows Mobile, uh, a lot of it people didn't know, or they still don't know, they have a Windows Mobile device, yep. right? And do you see Microsoft branding that and, and kind of take control of this is a Windows, I guess Windows it, Phone? Yeah, and, and we've seen that this year. They they brought out the Windows Phone name as opposed to a phone running Windows Mobile. Um, but again, and Renee and I, and we've all been talking about this earlier. Are you going to have a Windows Phone? Are you going to have an HTC Phone? Yeah. Um, I want an Xbox phone, Phil. That would be cool, too. Um, you know, and that's in the equation. We're seeing Zoom integration coming along, and, and we know that's coming. That's been announced. Um, how far they go with that remains to be seen. So that'll be interesting. Mm. All right, pre-man. 
Uh, Palm really hasn't done much. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've just kind of been maintaining. How's that feel working for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so obviously I think it's it's fair to say that Palm has uh, changed more since the last round robin than anybody else here uh, by far. Um, obviously, you know, the, what happened was they, they finally had their big reset. They got a new CEO, you know, John Rubenstein from Apple. They got a whole ton of other Apple employees, and they had a big old launch in January of uh, WebOS and the pre. And, um, I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you're familiar, but it was it was really uh, an incredibly clever thing that they did with, uh, with the WebOS. Renee was talking about this, that given their resources and given what they needed to do, they went in a really intelligent direction and made the whole thing web-based or HTML-based. And so... Um, everything is coded up in really standard, easy-to-learn HTML, JavaScript kind of web stuff. Uh, they added some really nice uh, interface touches, um, so it multitasks, and it multitasks really, really well because it has this card metaphor. And I mean, I don't want to go over the whole thing, but I just I need to mention it because it's it's a nice, intuitive way to multitask. And what's so great about the way that the direction that Palm went is they're able to do more with fewer resources because there's just less complication at the platform since they started fresh. Of course, the downside is, is uh, up to this point anyway, it's been difficult for them to do anything like really incredible graphically because it is, again, still just HTML and JavaScript and whatever. Um, but yeah, they've had a, a really huge renaissance. They've released two phones on WebOS. They've canceled all of their Windows mobile phones. They're not making any more Windows mobile phones. Um, so we've got the Pre and the Pixie. They've launched the Pre in the U.S. only on Sprint and the Pixie only on Sprint. And that's a big problem because um, as hard up as Palm was in the past couple of years, uh, Sprint has been worse. <laughs> uh, Sprint's tough, man. And... They're also in Europe, and they're really hoping they're going to be successful there because they've never really been that successful in Europe before. Um, but the pre's going to hit Verizon in January or maybe February, and that's going to be really exciting. Um, so yeah, Palm's a whole new company, and I mean, it's there's just there's so much there. It feels like it's been more than a year because it, they've gone from totally irrelevant to absolutely relevant. Although um, it's funny because they're 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 in the game now, but. No, everybody still seems to be holding their breath a little bit because, you know, they're still just on Sprint and there's only so many phones you can sell. And so we don't know yet if they're just going to be a niche player. I mean, I think they're going to hang around, obviously, but we don't know how big they're going to get relative to uh, BlackBerry, relative to iPhone, relative to Nokia, to Android, to Windows Mobile. I mean, they're they're smaller than all those guys right now. Um and so it'll be interesting to see if they can start to eat away at market share from some of those other people. But they've got a fighting chance now, which is something they haven't had before. And they're they're moving really quickly with a really small team. And so uh, it'll be exciting. How many of the new Palm Pre Pixies are in the North American market right now? We don't know. Um, Palm doesn't split out specific numbers and Sprint's not talking. So we have basically analyst estimates to go by. And so I would, if I had to guess, I'd say uh, there's probably, as of this recording, about a million. Okay. Uh, we'll get harder numbers next month, but it's that's not a lot of phones. So if only if it would have like hit Verizon two months ago or three months ago, yeah, you'd be exactly. laughing right now. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, they've they've sold if they if they have let's let's assume they have sold a million phones on Sprint. Well, you know, that's they've had to be really aggressive and try really hard. You put a phone out on Verizon, and as long as it doesn't explode in your hand, yeah. it's going to sell mm-hmm. a million. Yeah, you know, depends on battery explodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, that'll really help them out. And but you know, they need to get their app story a little bit better because uh, it, as easy as it is to develop for, it, it's um, it's difficult to make something that's super super compelling like what you can find on the iPhone and you can find in some of the other platforms, uh, but. Uh, that's not to denigrate the developers because they're doing uh, you know incredible work. It, there's just only so far they can push the platform. So Palm needs to, needs to keep growing it, and uh, all indications are that they are. So. And do you think developers are kind of taking a wait and see attitude too? Whether yeah, I mean, if, if it's going to come to Verizon or somebody, what's going to have more a lot of developers are taking a wait and see approach. A lot of the professional like other that develop for other mobile platforms, they haven't really taken developers away from other platforms yet, which is um, you know kind of a bummer. But uh, we'll see. Uh, there's there's plenty of developers that are buying into it, 
but from all, all things we can tell, you're not making money on the webOS yet. Does that mean that, for example, with BlackBerry now doing the basically the widget or, or the HTML development, you know, Steve Jobs was famous for saying web apps were sweet, but now the iPhone is doing offline web apps too, which is yeah. not as, as integrated yet as webOS, but they're doing them as well. Does that mean there'll be a larger pool of web developers for mobile, or does that mean that they're kind of copying or recopying the genius and kind of hurting Palm by splitting that... Developer. Yeah, that's actually uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about this in the in the second podcast in a month or two. But it that cuts both ways. So Palm is totally HTML based, and every other platform here has got some sort of widget or HTML development system offline, whatever that you can do. And so uh, the good news is, well, it might be easy to port something from that you developed for the iPhone to the webOS and vice versa. The bad news is that uh, in terms of OS capabilities, uh, you know, the webOS looks like a subset of what every other phone can offer. So Palm needs to continue to make that compelling in a certain way. And they do that, you know, because it's not just the web. You can actually hook into parts of the pre in interesting ways. Um, and they uh, they also, I guess the one other thing we should mention about WebOS is they 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 advanced the state of the art in terms of notifications. They, they took what Android did and um, they basically, it's kind of a copy, but it's a little bit better in some ways. Um, but they, they do have a really nice notification system. And the platform has a future. It's, uh, it's really easy to see when you play with it that they can put it in a whole lot of different form factors without any problem. It'll be really easy to do. So how was your, uh, you know, basically brand new phone, brand new platform brand new company brand new company so really like first shot at it forget all of pump's history how how happy are you with like the pre when you first got it oh it's my daily driver you know it's my main phone i'm really happy they designed with. it with dieter in mind i'm, conv- <laughs> I'm convinced of that <laughs> minus the mirror it, it's everything that no he wants the mirror it's everything <laughs> dieter ever wanted his i gave him such a nice outing he just took it away on <laughs> the iphone guy is <laughs> No, it's it's great. I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they can do with it. Um, but it's it's a miracle that they were able to go from what they looked like a year ago to what they look like now. It's 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 a miracle. It's nothing short of stock for the run up. What it was well, the stock a year ago was hovering at like ninety cents or. What did it go up to after the pre got announced? I don't know, but it, it I know it, it got up as high as eighteen dollars oh. in the last couple of months. Damn. So. Well, let me, if only, if only. <laughs> let, let me throw a softball up there for you. Are we going to be talking about the WebOS devices at the one next year? We'll be talking about WebOS devices, but I can't tell yet if we're going to be talking about it in uh, morose tones of why it hasn't it gotten developers and they're barely hanging on and what happened, or if we'll be talking about it as you know a vibrant real player in the market. Um, I can't. I don't have an answer for that, and I wish I did. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I could be hopeful to be like, oh, yeah, they're totally in. But, like, you know, it's still an open question. So Palm has to keep on doing as much in the, in the coming year as it's clear that they did in the past year in terms of, you know, being hard chargers and trying really hard and, and pushing stuff as quickly as they can. Um, and they're, they're doing that. They're, they're in some ways more open than even the open source Android platform in terms of the ability to get in there, mess with the OS, uh, let power users play with it, and, and release phones, so, uh, release operating systems. So... They released in June. We're already up at, in you know December. They've released 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, and you know 0. 0.35. And using the pre today is a completely different experience from what it was using it back in June. Uh, it, they've they've sped it up. They've added lots and lots of little tweaks. And um, it's you know hopefully they can keep doing that for the next year because if, if they're able to keep that pace up, it's going to be pretty incredible by the next round robin. Here's a quick question on those... Why does everybody have questions for everybody? <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's a new... Yeah, it's new. And last year, Palm, we all crapped on it pretty hard. So, <laughs> come on, you deserve every minute. Um, do you think once they get on some more carriers, that ability to roll out updates as quickly is going to get hampered? You know, once you hit Verizon, it's a different TA process, technical right. acceptance, then... Like, in Sprint and Palm have a really tight relationship, obviously. <laughs> they have done very well so far. There was a, a little bit of a disconnect between Europe and America for about a month, but they fixed that. Um, and, you know, to be blunt, the operating system isn't that complicated, isn't that hard to figure out. So I think even Verizon will be like, oh, yeah, we know what this update does. We'll check it quick bang. Because, like, it's it's a bunch of text files, man. <laughs> it's not hard to figure out. So I think... I think they'll be able to, to pull that off pretty well. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I asked that question is because we, we first saw the WebOS and we saw the pre in January. Yep. It got released in June. Yep. 
before the pre was released, we had seen leaked images of what the Pixie was going to be. And there was, our, there was a lot of speculation about, great, we're going to have a front-facing QWERTY WebOS device. The Pixie comes out in November of 2009. We haven't seen any other leaked shots or even ideas of what's happening with the WebOS. Yeah. Where are they going? I don't know. I honestly, the, the, the lack of leaks is actually really surprising. Um, I think... Troubling. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But um, then again, you know, until we saw the leak of the pre, uh, did we see... We didn't really see any real leaks of no. the pre, but mm-hmm. until that came out, we saw nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if Palm is smart, they're, they're going to take the page from Apple that they took with the pre, and they're not going to take this out to carriers, you know, at, in wide and have it leak like all the, every other phone seems to. Um, and so I, you know, I assume they're working on something next gen. I tablet, right? Well, the, the directions are really obvious. The, the sc- there's no hampered. They're not hampered by screen resolution because it's all web. And so, like, they can make a big old you know touchscreen device, and it would take very little since it's just making stuff bigger to have developers you know have their apps be compatible with that. Almost nothing for most apps. And so they can make a full touchscreen phone. Um, they can make a horizontal slider if they wanted to. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, they, I think they know what they need to do, uh, and we won't know until they. I hope pre-announce it. I mean, if we get leaks, I love leaks. Everybody loves leaks. Um, so it's not like they're limited in terms of possibility. It's just a question of when are they going to start to throw resources at new devices. And I think realistically, yeah, we might not see. You know, we'll see pre and pixie uh, get spread out to a whole lot of carriers, and we'll start to get really, really anxious and worried about them, and then. This time next year, we'll either be talking about that, or we'll be we'll have had a leak of what they're going to be announcing next January, maybe. Mm. Uh, if I had to guess, Did somebody acquire Palm by this time next year. Palm does not want to be purchased in the war. It will be uh, it will be really really uh, what's it hostile takeover. Mm-hmm. If someone goes after Palm, it'll be a super super hostile takeover because a large percentage is owned by a private equity firm, and they don't want Palm to get taken over either. Uh, they're all true believers, man. I mean, you talk about the Apple cult, uh, the Palm cult. I mean, there's there's a core. Uh, they might as well be in a ranch somewhere. <laughs> so, so when they bring out the full touchscreen, are they going to bring uh, graffiti back for us to use? Yeah, I hope so. Touch, touch graffiti? Yeah, touch graffiti. That'd be awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about those two as well. Uh, one of the, the new entries here this year is the Nokia Expert site, and, and Matt Miller has... Yeah, it was funny, you know, it was it was the round robin number two that actually spurred me to, to approach a dealer and say, I see all these great things, but where's the world's leading smartphone platform? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nokia, this past year, they've, their market share has gone down a bit. I think they were at around 40% at the beginning of the year. They're down to about 38% worldwide. However, that has no, very little impact in North America. They really, this year, they had a couple devices, the Nokia E71X, AT&T Surge, primarily the two on AT&T and then one on Verizon, a weird twist thing. But they still haven't really approached the the North American or U.S. market very much. Um, And honestly, I don't see, I haven't heard of anything or seen anything from them that that's going to change drastically in the future. Do you think that they don't care or they don't get it or they just have bad carrier relationships or Americans just don't like the most popular smartphone in the world? <laughs> you know, it's funny because in the, yeah. in the old days, we, you know, I don't know how many years ago, five, ten years ago, we used to buy a phone and it always seemed to be a Nokia, right? Yep. The free phone they gave you was a Nokia. And some of those were even the S6, the early Series 60 smartphone ones that nobody ever knew they had a smartphone. And that, they, they I don't know what happened there. They just kind of stopped bringing those to the U.S. and forgot about it and I really don't know, no. and I've been trying to figure it out. You know, I grapple with it. I write. This is what I think is going on, and but nobody, they still don't really answer those questions. Right. Do they not care about North America? Do they just say we're we're doing so very well all over the world? We'll get there eventually, and we'll we'll just keep the enthusiast happy by selling uh, devices on Nokia USA. Right. Well, I, you know, it makes me feel good to hear you say that because I felt I feel kind of stupid not understanding what they're doing. But no, the expert I, I, doesn't either. I, I don't either. So. I can't wait to our one-on-ones, Matt. It's gonna be fun. Like, <laughs> so, so as far as the uh, looking at the operating system, it hasn't changed much um, in 2009. At the end of 2008, they announced and released the first. Uh, what they call the S65 edition, which was the Nokia 5800. That was Nokia's first touchscreen um, S60 device. There was a previous touchscreen device that 
what, what didn't do very well. But this was the first S60 smartphone touchscreen device. Um, it, it confused a f quite a few people because it brought touch to the platform, but they didn't really optimize or change the platform much for touch. Storm! <laughs> Excuse me. So Kevin knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, you know, some some places you single tap to select, some places you double tap to activate. I mean, it, it was a bit confusing. As a user, I now it's it's second nature to me. It's not a problem. Um, so that was the big OS update. And then throughout this whole year, they really had no other operating system updates. But 2010 is, is a bit different. And we'll have another podcast that talks about the future. And I think the future is is quite exciting for Nokia. Um, you know, this year they had uh, something like 40 different devices, which is quite overwhelming yeah. around the world. Um, next year they're talking having that, so that would be good because I, I think having so many devices does confuse the consumer. Um, and, and some of their devices, like from E71 to E72, are just minor upgrades in the, you know, the first one they could have done back when they released the first one. Um, so Nokia has two things going on. They have the S60 which is the smartphones, and um, they also have Series 40, which is more of a feature phone that we, I don't really cover too much. So S60 is the smartphone platform. It's worldwide. They reach developing markets with it. It's low cost. Uh, it's, it's been the low, mid, and high range devices, uh, and gonna, we're going to see that change now. We have MIMO, which is um, their Linux-based operating system. They've had this before on their internet tablets, which were unconnected kind of web browsing tablet devices that really didn't do too well. Some people bought them and you know they were a little bit slow and they, it was more of a geeky toy. Uh, the N900 that's now available is the first MIMO 5 device that has a phone built into it. So this is kind of Nokia's new high-end phones is the MIMO platform. They basically took a, a tablet and shrunk it into a phone. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a fantastic, it's not a, it's, it's a good phone and it has some in integration with Skype and Google Talk and things like that. However, it's a fantastic web browser. I mean, that web browser that's in that device is is a netbook web browser. You can pretty much throw anything you want at it. Wow. Um, flash? You can throw a flash at it? Yeah, we were playing uh, Mickey's podcast with a flash player on it last night. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a netbook that Matt left in the washer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the funny thing with S60, I mean, I mean, I was a little bit distraught about Nokia's future, but Matt helped Quell that fear, and then and then Nokia themselves the next day. for the very next day. Um, but I'm thinking about S60 and as a smartphone platform. Like we're talking about the App Store. Like you're sitting in the corner, you've been there, done that. We're talking about Windows Mobile having too many phones. You're sitting in the corner, been there, done that. I'm sitting here talking about widgets. You're sitting in the corner, been there, done that. Right? Like it's like I talk about Windows Mobile gets no respect, but S60 in the U.S. Like it does all of that stuff. And, and you know, I'm working on I'm wor I'm actually working on that post because <laughs> I just don't I don't know if the the press doesn't just just doesn't seem to get it. I mean, the, you talk to the guys, you know, all about all about Symbian and other guys that I, I know in the UK and, and other countries. They of course get it because Nokia is big over there. But I mean, one of, part of my post is looking at the interface, right? The S60 interface, even this one that's been around now for a couple years, it has it has application icons like the iPhone. You tap it, it opens an app. I mean, it has widgets like the Android. You add widgets to the home screen, and it has, like you said, it has all that stuff. I don't know why. Why? Why slam it? I mean, yeah, it has it, right? There's too much stuff in too many places, and we just can't understand it as North Americans because there's not one button on the front. Well, you know, I think it is. I mean, it's different, right? And so, when when you get an S60 device, I think it's something that you really have to use quite a bit to really get. It's very confusing. Somebody that uses some other platform, they grab it and they, they you know, my friends use it for a couple weeks. Like, eh, yeah, yeah, really, it's too much. It's too much. I can't get it. But if you just I mean, like, if you're somebody like me that uses it all the time, it's like fantastic. I think that's going to change in 2010. It's going to, you know, Nokia finally, yes, I guess we do need to address the user interface and make it easier for some people. But then again, they've got 40% of the market, and those 40% that have those S60 devices are used to it. They don't care so much about the user interface improvements. It's a big advantage over Palm who had to relaunch with almost no capital. Nokia is sitting on the largest pile of capital, yeah. arguably the smartphone space, so they have the, a huge buffer against that kind of innovation. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do think they need to address that market, maybe to address the North American market that wants a user interface experience more than a list of specs you know, and fantastic features and everything right. else, too. And, and they're going to do that, so... Well, it'll be exciting in 2010. They could just launch an ad campaign with like the word love and the word Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you feel like 
it seems like like Nokia like tried to expand and had only moderate success for the past year. You know, they added touch, they improved some stuff, and you know, they had not huge success, but people are like, okay, yeah, you guys are doing good, you're maintaining. Do you feel like they're gonna continue to maintain and then have a huge jump, or are they just gonna like try and like just bend the curve so it's a gradual rise upward again? Yeah, I think what it's more think? of a gradual. Okay. I, I think they've pretty much. They've said that 2010 is, is going to be, we're going to maintain. We're not going to okay. lose any more market share. And then as it, and beyond, I think it's going to be, you know, increasing. But a big change is the whole Symbian Foundation, which is very confusing to right. people that don't follow Nokia. Because they're like, S60, S60 Feature Pack 2, 5th edition. Now we've got, what's the Symbian Foundation? Symbian Foundation is a... Uh, an organization that Nokia is part of, but they're not the only people that are part of it. There's, uh, you know, like five or six different companies and other entities that are part of this group. But that you'll see S60, the name, go away. Right. Um, the the fifth edition device I have, the N97 Mini, is the base for Symbian One. And the way they word it, you'll see Symbian, and then they have I don't know what that is. A superscript. The carrot. carrot. Oh, the, the carrot. carrot. Okay. Yeah. So Symbian One will essentially be a fifth edition device. They're going to launch Symbian 2 and Symbian 3 devices in 2010, probably. Okay. So it'll now, Symbian Foundation will be the operating system. Now, the, the UI sounds part of it. confusing as Blackberry. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you just like it. <laughs> and that's good. Symbian Foundation sounds even more open than Android in some ways. And that's their whole, you know, that's their, they're, they're promoting it as open. Although I, you know, it remains to be seen. We haven't seen any devices or anything come out from it. And if you ever go to is it the really is it really is it really Nokia and a bunch of other people or is it like Nokia and a bunch of other people? I think it's Nokia and a bunch of other people. Okay, yeah, which is how Symbian is now. Right. I mean, Symbian used to be by itself. Nokia bought them, and it's pretty much. Don't say it. Nokia. It doesn't matter. Focus on the first syllable. No. Yeah. Nokia. Nokia. Or some people say Nokia. Nokia. Right, <laughs> Nokia. Don't Nokia. It's very. I get made fun of for it though, so. Because <laughs> it sounds wrong. That's why. I, even though it's right, it sounds more wrong. Okay. I'll do like a Swedish chef. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, another new player this year, Android new-ish. Central. Yeah. New-ish, I guess, new-ish. yeah. And, and the future, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, but like last year there was this one device on T-Mobile. It was the G1. And a lot of people looked at it and said, oh, that's, that's kind of cool, right? It's, it's But it's like... Google's notorious for putting things in beta for forever, and that's what people felt about the G1. And then now we fast forward an entire year, and then Andy Rubin said in May that there would be 18 to 20 Android phones to come out this year. I did a rough count right now. There's there's 18. <laughs> there's actually 18. You snuck in that last one. Right? That's the year's awesome. not over. Yeah, the year's not over, but like a lot of them is outside of the U.S. There's like eight or nine in the U.S. But basically, like, if Palm changed the most in the past year, I think Android, Android definitely grew the most, right? And then now we have, instead of just T-Mobile, we, we went from T-Mobile, and then we went to Sprint, and then, which was a little bit better than being on, on the fourth-place carrier. We were third place now. And then everything, like, culminated into the Verizon Droid, and that, that has just, like, changed mm-hmm. the... It's, everybody's looking at Android differently now. Right. Where, 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 where's AT&T's Android? Yeah, are they, what's up with them? There, there used to be one, I think it was like AT&T, like Lancaster, but it disappeared and huh. they haven't even acknowledged it. I think like Apple's like, you know, strong-arming mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because we have no Windows Mobile or BlackBerry device on AT&T. Half <laughs> 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 You've got Nokia and Windows Mobile on AT&T. AT&T's got everything but Android. Uh, mm. They haven't even talked about They're it. They're waiting for the Google phone, Casey. I know. <laughs> but anyways, what I was saying, when Android released, it was just 1.0, and now we have, well, it's kind of a problem now, but we have 1.5, 1.6, 2.0, and there's also rumors of 2.1 too. And all these devices are stuck like on their own, on their own um, track. Yeah, yeah. yeah like they, there's no way in saying like when we're gonna update to 2.0 because everybody wants 2.0 because it has Google Maps navigation, it has all that. It looks a lot better. It doesn't look as kiddish anymore. The voice search is a lot better. Yeah, and the problem is because Android is open source, they're 
they've developed like HTC Sense and Moto Blur, and those are looking to have problems with like upgrading right. to 2.0. So then, so now we used to have, you know, we we weren't looked at seriously, and now we have serious problems now. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, it went from like one little device was like, oh, that's kind of an experiment to yeah. Eight like, in the U.S., yeah, ten in the, the U.S., and everybody's like, "Whoa, yeah. yeah!" And no one's really sure when they're gonna get updated. So I feel like we've heard this story before, though. Windows <laughs> Mobile five, six, <laughs> six one, six yeah. five. Yeah, and a lot of the older Windows Mobile phones aren't going to be upgraded, at least officially, and and that's why I worry about Google and, and Android falling in that same trap. Well, I guess my question, uh, Casey, is like. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe Google doesn't care. Maybe it, like Microsoft, they're calling a Windows phone. They don't want people to focus on the version of Windows Mobile. Maybe, you know, for Android phones, it's like, well, it's 1.5 and not 1.6, but, you know, relax. You know, it's fine. And, and, and does, does the Sense UI and the Moto Blur UI that gets put on top of it, does that sort of help that? It, you know, oh, like, yeah, I don't care what version it is because I've got this overlay on it. Yeah, definitely. It helps with the actual, like, using the phone, but then with, like, apps and stuff, Developers don't know which one to aim oh, for, right? Is, is the app situation pretty? Yeah, I was right showing Renee the other day, other day, yesterday actually. Um, I, I use this NBA Game Time app, right? And on the Droid, the font is like this small; you can't even <laughs> see anything. But on the G1, it, it you know it projects perfectly, and then you know it's just because the screen resolution is different, the size is different, yeah, and the different. 2.0 is different, 1.0. Yeah. Right, it might be a mess. You know, what is the app situation? Is it uh, lots of apps? Is it ten thousand? It's like ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And you buy them all from one place, or is it open where you get them? From? You can buy them from all different places, but Android Market is usually the mm-hmm. one that's easiest. Right, and an Android Market doesn't filter the way that the iPhone App Store does. So you know, there's a lot of crap in there, but there's crap in there that they're free to put in without a company telling them no. And let's not ignore their greatest competitive advantage is the awesome code names for every OS. The best ones. <laughs> yeah. Or is the food ones? Yeah. 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 Cupcake. Donut. No, bacon will be 2010's make mega upgrade, right? You know, if there's a creme brulee one, then I might... You know what's funny, too? There's like, you know, when, when people... We're all enthusiasts and we're really into this stuff. But I wonder if the consumer, when they go to buy like a Sprint Hero, they're perfectly happy and they know what they're getting. Are consumers now, thanks to the iPhone, expecting a device that comes out that's okay and expecting upgrades for their phones too? You know, is that kind of a mindset of people thinking, oh, I'll buy it and I'm pretty happy with it, but there'll be upgrades for it? Or as Dieter says, are people willing to accept a device because of the iPhone that doesn't have all the functionality they might have otherwise demanded? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's talk about the number one selling smartphone in the third quarter, right, Kevin? I mean, oh. <laughs> the BlackBerry Curve 8330. Black, BlackBerry Curve, it doesn't have Wi-Fi. It, well, I guess it has GPS on some of them, right? Well, the, all the new yeah. ones do. But yeah. 2.0 megapixel camera, you know, pretty yeah. limited memory. I, I think this is a state of, uh, you know, I remember probably back in 07, there was an article that came out that said, okay, there's 10 million smartphones in the United States right now. And the number by the end of 2010 was expected to grow to be, I think, 70 million. It's an old, yeah. it was a number like that. You, you don't need that? a whole lot of market share to stay alive. You don't need, and, and, and what we're seeing is I think that trend is happening. But when people are going into their carrier store to upgrade their piece of crap, you know, Motorola Flip Razor, um, not everybody wants the top-of-the-line phone. Not everybody wants to spend $200, $300 and even pay for, you know, an expensive unlimited data plan if they can. So there's, and, and the odds are probably pretty good that they've known somebody over the past couple of years who owned a Curve who liked it because mm-hmm. they bought that Curve before everything, yep. you know, all these changes that have happened. So if they can get it for 50 bucks or free, then then it's there. They're, you know, the... Um, the growth in smartphones isn't just happening at the top end of the market. It's happening throughout the segment. Well, yeah, the, the point, I think uh, BlackBerry and Apple especially, but also a little bit Palm, a little bit Nokia, I can't say it's true about Android, is there's this huge fight at the top of the market to be like, I have the coolest, Absolutely. most yeah. powerful smartphone ever, right? The, it looks like this huge battle. We're all focusing on it. But they're fighting that battle up there, but they don't actually care about who wins at the very top of the market. The only reason anybody wants to win at the top of the market is so that everybody that's buying the cheaper phones is like, well, I need to get a BlackBerry because they're winning at the top of the market, they've got the brand, and I have affinity for that. So 
the yeah, it's iPhone 3GS and iPhone 3G. They're winning at the top of the market. So someone goes in, they want to save a little money, they might get the iPhone 3G. And I think that's kind of the play Palm's doing with the Pre and the Pixie. Um, and so this, you know, we're here, we're nerds, we've got the coolest phones that you can get uh, today, right now, pretty much, on, on this outside table, sitting in yeah, front of yeah. us, outside of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, we're going to help people figure out what they want to buy, uh, but we're also, like, I don't know, like, that's one of the reasons we're talking about platform, is because while all of us are using the coolest, coolest phones because we're nerds, uh, we're talking, we're going to talk about multiple phones instead of just the coolest phone, because... You know, we want somebody that's only got fifty bucks to spend when they walk in the door to have a choice instead of only the people that have three hundred bucks that we're trying but to. But we also here. need to drive home the message that the real cost of owning a phone isn't the upfront cost; right, it's right. the two years of contract you pay. Yeah, and so actually, that, 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 you know what? That, that's the battle I I, yeah. I I fight because Nokia devices are all imported in the U.S. They're yeah. quite expensive, five hundred usually. However, that you you can buy when you buy that five hundred dollar phone, it's unlocked. You can do whatever you want with it. Oh, you can do a pay as you go or whatever else you want to do too. You know. Yeah. I actually think I'm going to put Mickey on the spot. Uh, we've all went and talked about the the progress of our different platforms for the past year, but you're right. Carriers are a big part of this, and it's where the biggest cost comes. So, like Mickey, what what's the carrier landscape? Has that changed in the past year? Like, how do you what do you feel is going on right now? Well, obviously Verizon's at the top right now, and really that is only because of the Altel acquisition that got finalized this year. And it, it's it, there's something to be said for that. Uh, in many cases, Altel was I, I know that we're in Orlando down here in Florida. Altel is kind of like the big, yeah. de, you know, the big guy, and and uh, uh, from Arizona they were a big player there as well. And there were a lot of people that weren't really happy when that happened. But what it's done is it's it's put together uh, a very large company with a very solid network. Um, for the most part, there's some, been some divestitures and stuff, and there have been some issues. Um, but you know, I think you know the what Verizon has right now for most people is a very solid network, and that's why people have stuck with them, and that's why the Droid, well, other than other all the advertising, it has really been so successful, is because it's been something that had all the fun, uh, like the iPhone, but it was on the network that they wanted to be on. You have companies like AT and T who I have historically gotten all the quote unquote cool phones and you know all the latest and greatest and uh, they have they have done an okay job of expanding uh, their 3G network and doing some different <laughs> things this year to to try and and make the user experience a little bit better Think back to when the Bold was released last year, especially in, in here in the U.S., and all the problems that people were having with that, you know, in the 3G connectivity. Think of when the first 3G iPhone came out and all the problems that people were having with the connectivity. That is gone for the most well, part. What? For the iPhone? Well, compared to what it was like when it first came out. Okay. When it, we're, New York and San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 main, the main problems that they had are, have been fixed. They've spent billions of dollars over the last year. Yet they still are. They can't keep up with the growth. And right. I have a, a philosophical question that I, I it runs through my mind a lot: is would Verizon be in the same situation, uh, both in reality and perception, as far as the network that AT and T is, if they would have been the ones that would have picked up the iPhone? And I have a part of me says yes, but the other part of me says. They've also been building their 3G network since about 2002. Yeah. They, they started out in Washington, D.C., in San Diego with an EVDO network before anyone even had a thought about it. You know, when, when Sprint came on with, with their, their network, and it was not until, I think, 2005, maybe even 2006, that AT&T really started to roll theirs out. So in the, you know, in the scheme of things, you've got about, about a half, you know, half the time uh, you know, of growth that AT&T has had in comparison to these other guys. And then look at T-Mobile. T-Mobile has, has done, uh, you know, a very kind of piecemeal job of rolling out their 3G network. Every week on the show we talk about, you know, here's the newest three cities that have T-Mobile 3G. And it's, it's a, but they're doing it in a, in a very good way. I mean, you, you look at, I, I was, we were doing speed tests last night and uh, Matt was getting over two megabits per second with his T-Mobile connection on the N900. And so they, where they have 3G, it's very, very good. Now, the other side of that is, is that there's not a lot of devices 
that are on it that are using it right now. Yeah, there's a lot of My Touch 3Gs out there. There's a fair number of G1s out there, but the rest of them are really feature phones. And until you get that one device that is just constantly hammering the network like the iPhone is, I think that's really where it comes down to. Every network has smartphones. Every network has Blackberries, for example, that are constantly pinging the network, but not with the intensity like the black or like the iPhone has been. Yeah. And so it's you know people are just out there and they are just maxing out the bandwidth that's been available. And AT and T can roll out you know a you know fiber to all of its towers, which actually they, in back at CTA in October they said that they were planning on doing that into 2010 2011. I think over ninety percent of their major cities. So it's going to happen. But even then, you're still going to get to the point where we're talking about a device that can have a theoretical maximum of 7.2 megabits per second. 7.2 times how many users on a particular cell, you've got to have some pretty, pretty wide pipes to be able to support it. So it, it's... Um, I think for, for AT&T's sake, they've, they've really got to spend a, a lot of time here focusing on optimizing as best that they can. Verizon is going to kind of keep doing what they're doing and poking fun at AT&T for, the, you know, for what's happening. Um, and uh, I haven't really mentioned Sprint. I think Sprint... <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's all you need to say, really. Yeah. I think, Sprint's being aggressive with plans, right? They're being aggressive with plans. That they're, it, they're, yeah, their plans and features are outstanding as far as you know all the stuff you get with the data, right? The navigation and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, else. I mean, you talk about, uh, especially with their any mobile, any time now, I mean, you almost have an unlimited plan for $80 a month mm-hmm. when you think about it. Because most of the time, who are you calling you know, with, uh, with your cell phone? It's usually other cell phones. Mm-hmm. So they, they've done a great job uh, with that. Uh, the the losses that they're seeing the you know 700 to a million subscriber per quarter losses are primarily on the Nextel side. That's a very important thing to yeah. to remember is that it's it's not all uh, Sprint customers. It's that people are are finding that as their contracts are coming up, there there are other things out there other than push to talk because that's really the only major feature that Nextel has. Um, or the old Nextel network has. I didn't maxed out in the mid 20 millions of subscribers and has just been basically dropping since then because there's no 3G service. Yeah. There's, you know, I mean, up until recently when they just announced the um, the curve, there was their latest BlackBerry, I think, was the 7100 series or something like that. Right. It was ancient. I mean, they still, I think, are selling a Windows Mobile 2003 SE phone. <laughs> Uh, it's wow. it's old old technology, and other than push to talk, what does it really have? And when someone's leaving Nextel, are they sticking with ro- just rolling it over into a Sprint plan, or are they going to something else like an iPhone, like a you know a, a BlackBerry on a, a network that's got three G? And that's where Sprint, I think, last year made this bad decision with the Nextel acquisition, and they're I mean it was a what a thirty six billion dollar write off that they ended up doing this yeah. year because they finally just threw their hands up and said this mm-hmm. is just not working so uh, you know those are the those are the, kind of the states of all the main four right now um, definitely you know like I always say there, there's there's no one provider that's the best for everybody um, personally for me I talk very highly about Verizon because it works the best for me but that's not always the case so. Um, you know, I think the big up and comer, up and coming things that are going we're going to see this year um, is going to be a lot of, of uh, prepaid stuff. I think more people are going to be looking to be cost conscious as they uh, as they move forward. And those prepaid plans are getting better. Like they used it used to be, you didn't mm-hmm. get much, and now you get quite a bit with those prepaid plans. You've got people like Metro PCS and Boost Mobile, and uh, you know some other guys out there that are offering you fifty bucks for unlimited minutes, and in some cases unlimited texts, yeah. some cases uh, a little bit of data even thrown in there. And they, you know, that we that prepaid's been around forever, but it's never been adopted widely here because that just hasn't been the North American market. That's not the model. I was going to say T-Mobile just rolled out kind of a European contract, right? Where yeah. they have the they have the plans that no contract plans now. Right. You know, they have a different minute and subsidized phone structure. Do you think that other carriers will kind of look at what T-Mobile's doing and, and adopt that kind of plan? Uh, I don't because here, here's what here's what you have. You have. Um, and this is so typical U.S. You've got AT&T and Verizon as these two behemoths at the top that don't even really really care about anyone else right now. They are seeing you know subscriber growth you know upwards of five hundred thousand to a million people per quarter. They've got very low churn rates and they've got relatively high ARPUs. You've got Sprint, which is I don't want to say flood you know like fledgling, but they kind of are. I mean they're just doing what they can to try and keep customers and, and stop the the hemorrhaging. So 
I don't I don't know that they're gonna they're gonna do anything like that. T-Mobile's got you know the the entrenched roots of uh, you know the European uh, you know parent company, mm-hmm. and so I think that's that's where it works for them and all the other little guys that are out there. And I don't talk much about them because there's you know very few people have service with them out there. I mean, it, it, it's the t- number ten carrier. I think only has a couple hundred thousand subscribers, you know, and then you go up to the number five carrier, and then it's not until you get to T-Mobile before I think even hit a million customers. I mean, they're they're all very very small, right. so uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think AT and T or Verizon are going to take a look at it because I don't think they need to. Mm. So, does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I guess we should wrap up. We've been going for an hour and a half here, or so haven't we? A little over hour and five minutes or oh, so. Oh, it feels like long. I got, I got one thing to throw out there because it kind of ties together some of the issues like what Sprint is facing right now where it sounds like they have a good offering, but it, it gets lost on people for whatever reason. And part, and, it, and part of it happens to the phones too, which is what we saw you know last year with, with Palm. And it comes down to, even though we're dealing in the tech space right now and communications, there's something going on where it's almost like phones are a little like fashion. And right. if you're in fashion, you sell like crazy. And if you fall out of fashion, nobody wants to touch you anymore. And, you know, Palm was on the brink of extinction because they fell out of fashion. And you can blame, you know, out-of-date OS, but for whatever reason, lost a consumer mind share. And they got lucky and saved themselves. And now even, you know, the flip side of... And you could say RIM is in a position where over the next year you could see being in fashion for a while riding it. They're in an area at the top of the game where, hmm, could they fall out of fashion? Could they stay in fashion? You don't know. And um, and carriers too, obviously, where you have somebody like Sprint, where it's like, why aren't we in fashion anymore? We don't get it. We're doing everything right. We got yeah. great plans. We got this. Why? They actually, Sprint. When you talk to people at Sprint, that's exactly they're they're just like, we don't get it. And we're do, we're do, our customer service is has improved like eight times, and we're we're be- got better customer service than AT and T now. Nobody notices. We don't. Our plans are great. Nobody notices. Like, and I think. I don't know. Palm has gone so far as to actually like hire artists to make fashion battery covers <laughs> for the Pixie. So well, I think that people are starting to get that. I mean, you know, look at the back of the bold. Look at the back of the storm. They've got those great battery covers on the back. So I mean, I know I'm. I'm, I'm you're, you're going very literal on fashion, but I'm saying fashion, a good goal. Is totally, yeah, is and, totally accurate and a good goal for our weekend here, and 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 also the weeks ahead now for the smartphone rob, round robin for the listeners is you know if we can if you if you read all of our content over the next six weeks and at the end you can cut away and, and see what's fashionable versus which is valuable uh then i think it's a success for us right so you know it's not like i don't want windows mobile because it's you know not in fashion at the moment if you're a user and you read these reviews and you're like oh that makes sense for me or maybe sprint makes sense for me then then we've succeeded and that's why there's not always winners or losers at the end of the day because there's a winner for somebody. Yeah, the, the plan is we're going to be posting content. I'm going to list the sites just in case you don't know them. At, uh, AndroidCentral.com, CrackBerry.com, NokiaExperts.com, PreCentral.net, TheiPhoneBlog.com, and WMExperts.com. And uh, we'll be doing it every week. Uh, I think we're, we decided we're going to start December 16th. So we'll publish this the week beforehand, this podcast. And uh, we'll have videos. We'll have reviews. Um, we'll probably do another podcast or two before the, the event is over. SmartphoneRoundRobin.com to stay on top of everything. SmartphoneRoundRobin.com will have a chart where you can literally like track the progress of what's going on, and there'll be a list of every post that, that comes through. Um, yeah, and you know, talk to us on Twitter. We'll you know, we'll give you tons of ways to follow us. It'll be a good time. Great. Well, that'll uh, that'll wrap this one up. Um, obviously, this one is being hosted on thecellphonejunkie.com, and if you have any questions for me specifically, uh, you can get in touch with me over at thecellphonejunkie.com or send uh, your questions to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>